Welcome, my loves, to the School of You podcast, where we discuss sensitive topics and attempt at unloading and unraveling these unresolved traumas together. I will advise you and give you my opinion. And all of this is based on my own experiences and experiences of others in my circle. So let's begin, shall we? Today's topic is going to be, this is a special dedication to all of my educators out there, especially my educators who took the difficult step in leaving a field that they love. So today's topic is, why is there a teacher shortage slash crisis? Boo, let me explain. Let me break this down to you. Many of us that goes into education, we go into education because we love the babies. No one goes into education wanting to quit their job. That is a very difficult decision for us to make. And there is no one decision. It's really an individualized um, decision that you make based on what boundaries have been crossed or based on what, what what you can deal with. We all have our limits. And many of times our limits and our boundaries are constantly tested or disregarded in education. And it just leaves such a void. And it's really, really sad. And before many educators make that decision to take early retirement um, or to quit, it's, or just leave the field altogether, it is not an easy decision. A lot of us make this decision with a heavy heart. Many of us go into education knowing that the pay is not fair, right? When people when you go into engineering program, you get paid for your schooling, you get paid for your expertise, and you get paid handsome. Like handsomely, you get paid beautifully. It's worth it. When you go into the medical field, it's worth it. When you go to any field, it's worth it. Except for education. And yet all of these people who are making millions and hundreds of thousands of dollars has an educator who inspired them, had an educator who poured into them, had an educator who believed in them, had an educator who co-parent with them. Everyone has at least one educator that they have came into contact with that contribute to where they're at, even politicians. And yet, education is the lowest paying profession. Let that sink in for a second. It's the lowest paid profession. And it's the first budget to get cut by every state. And yet there's a high need. And yet educators have to go through 
hoops, mountain move mountains, they have to go through hurdles to get their certifications. And then it's ongoing certifications. Education is the only certification that you cannot transfer throughout the United States. You can be a doctor and you can you can practice in New York, then you can go in and practice in Illinois, you can practice in Cali, you can go anywhere and practice. And yet with education, our certifications are limited to maybe two, three states. Or if it is accepted in a state, it's only temporary, then we have to take their certifications. You don't have to do that in law. So it is very stifling and it's very restrained. And yet we still go in every day with the devotion to other people's children. And parents and the public has to understand that many of us enter into the profession wanting to make a difference in our community and the students' lives. But however, we quickly realize that we are stifled by unrealistic expectations. Our opportunities in education for growth are limited. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And there is a huge lack of support. And all this adds up. Teachers are facing poor mental health at twice the rate of the general workforce. According to a study, an alarming 21% of teachers reported experiencing poor mental health upwards of 11 days per month. Depending on the institution that you are working in, it could be more. So while there is no denying that teaching is a difficult job, the difficulty does not mitigate feelings of being unhappy, unhappy, unhealthy, unfulfilled. They keep on saying that the supply and demand for teachers is growing. And it is going to continue to grow. As of right now, 50% of teachers have considered quitting. You got policy changes to support teachers are still lacking and minimal and are often only achieved after union intervention or teacher walkouts. Parents get parents in the public get really upset about teachers walk out or getting the union to interfere and different things to, to that nature. But you have you're not in a classroom. You don't know what we deal with. It's more than just lesson planning. And even they micromanage the lesson plans. You all have no idea what it takes to come in and educate. The government had many of you all thinking that education was just something you can just come in and do. You don't really need a skill. You just need, um, you just need intelligence. And that was it. And then you all get into the classroom, you all get into this field, and then you all realize that this is an actual profession. This is not a job, this is a career. And this probably requires way more than what you're used to or accustomed to.
and you feel very overwhelmed and you feel like this is overloaded because you wasn't even taught the foundational skills to even be in that classroom. But yet, you thought this was an easy money, easy easy fix. Anybody can do it. You criticize teachers and then you go in there and you can't even you can't even fulfill your contract obligation obligation because you just leave. I have witnessed that several times. As long as the expectations and responsibilities continue to pile up without any changes in policy, respect and support, we will continue to leave the profession. Let me give you some examples from experiences that I have. And I have experience working in education in three different educational sectors. I am, or I was, a teacher here at um, in Chicago. And I taught at a CPS school. Then I, that was horrible. The leadership there was awful. And the ironic thing is, this was in this school was in one of our um, in one of our city's poverty stricken areas, and it was right next to a neighborhood that is mostly known, but is very crime written neighborhood on the south side. And I was at this school, and every time I speak with someone and they um and I tell them that I left that school, the first thing people say is, "Oh yeah, it, those kids." You know, everyone think it's the kids. It was not the kids. It was not the kids. Those babies were phenomenal, and I came in on the latter end because their teacher was leaving. Their educator was leaving. She couldn't even fulfill her contract because it was so debilitating to be at that school because the leadership was so awful. It was lack thereof. And she is an exceptional educator. Exceptional. And it broke her heart to leave her baby. She had these kids since they was in fifth or sixth grade. And so she left their eighth grade year. And people, you know, she left... um. She left uh the second half of the eighth grade year right before the pandemic hit. And people tried to criticize that that is not an easy decision for a, a teacher or educator to leave her babies, especially babies that she have invested in and has a relationship in. It was a detrimental situation for her. It was either her mental health or the babies. And nothing was changing. So she made the difficult task of leaving. And just to give you an example of what she was leaving, you had um, you had uh, relationships going on in that school that should not be happening. You had people that did not have have the certification in or the degree to be in that classroom. You have those that barely have a high school diploma that's in there teaching classes that only a qualified educator should be teaching. Like, I don't know, intervention specialist classes. You have to have a certification for that. Um, People was being hired that was just not qualified at all. Um, You had um, leadership 
that threw you in and just disregarded you and disrespected you. You had leadership that allowed um, the toxic of gossiping to run rampant and they was deleting it. Um, I, It was really unfortunate that I was part, you know, that I came in to this and I didn't partake in anything, but the fact of even how I was transitioned, I wasn't really introduced. I wasn't assisted. Um, I had to stay late to figure out the curriculum, how to work, um, how to implement it and different, just different things to that nature. And I was told that they just needed someone their expectations was not to really teach the kids, was just to have a body there to manage the kids. How ludicrous is that? But then you wonder why the school is a level three school. And for those of you all who do not know, level three schools are the worst, worst school levels that you can have. Okay, level three schools is almost like um, it's the schools that is not being invested in. It's the rundown schools. So you had that no support, no anything. Very unprofessional. Very unprofessional. And they cannot retain teachers, nor can they retain administration. They cannot. I believe the AP had left, the assistant principal had left. And the and the sad thing about it is that everyone knows how despicable the leadership at this school is. And yet no one would do anything because it's in one of the most crime-written neighborhoods on the South Side. But it was not those babies. I love those babies. And those, they were seventh and eighth grade babies. And the, te the educator who was there assisted me in that transition. Now, trans now let's transition over to the Catholic school. So I thought that maybe if I go to a private school, that it would be better. So I transitioned to a private sector and I transitioned to a Catholic school here in Chicago. And the first year I was there, I could tell that the administration did not know what he was doing at all. There was a situation where this white woman and to give you a demographics of the school, when I came in, it was like a plantation. So all of the teachers were white. All of the assistants were black. Um, of all, and those that was in supporting roles were people of color for the most part. But everyone that was leading, lead, had leading roles, head roles were white. I never seen nothing like that before. I didn't even know that even existed still in the 21st century in 2020, you know, 2020, 2021. So that was shocking. They had a black AP, but I believe that was a political stunt because of the height of Black Lives Matter. They never had a black AP prior to that. So that was more so a political stunt because they put the black, they put that black woman in a position where she didn't have proper mentoring. So she didn't really know what she was doing. And the principal wasn't even qualified. He was just a white man and knew had connections and he got the position. But he did not know what he was doing. And he did not understand that the importance of leadership is to be able to delegate responsibility. 
He refused to delegate responsibility, and then he had insulted me by offering me a contract for the next school year, being paid less than what I'm being paid than what I was being paid at the time, lying to me about the payments and why it was that way. He was offended because I was able to control the school. The students on the third floor, the middle school babies, they were disruptive as they was coming up passing my class. I could not believe that they were allowed to behave in that manner. And so I went into their classroom and I addressed them. I didn't even see the principal there. You would not have thought any adult was in there with the way that they was acting. They was acting like wild hyenas. So I addressed them and I left it there. And I didn't see the principal until I was done addressing the babies. The teacher in the classroom thanked me. The principal, on the other hand, was more so insulted that I was able to control these students and he wasn't. And so I guess I offended his manhood. And from then on, he was passive aggressive towards me. One time when I came in, I was having a really hard day. He asked me how I was doing. And you know how some days you go to work, you need someone to ask you how you're doing. And he asked me how I was doing. And I thought that was sincere. And I will never forget this as long as I live. I was beginning to tell him how I was doing. And he said, no, no, Ms. James. That was rhetorical. That was a rhetorical question. And I said, oh, okay, because you don't have to tell me twice. So anytime he asked me how I was doing, I said, I'm here. I don't even think that he even stayed around long enough to hear me say here. <laughs> and then the following year, we, we, we got a black principal. Now, this is the first black principal in the history of this school. And the whole archdiocese understood and knew what she was up against. They knew the level of racism this woman was up against. And she came in and she is a businesswoman, meaning that anyone that's a businesswoman or anybody that has a business mind, you are a quick problem solver. You analyze the situation. You're very quick. You're very swift. You see what needs to be done and you get it done because you know what you're doing. And she has had over 20 years being a principal. She got 20 years over in this. She's a turnaround principal. She came into the school and what she did was nothing short of a phenomenon. She was amazing. Because this school is was predominantly uh, is predominantly black school, with maybe one or two percent Hispanic. But the student body was predominantly white, so there was a disconnect in how to engage with the parents and the students. And so they, the staff, thought I was Harry Houdini, like I was working some type of magic trick on how I was able to connect with parents and students and different things to that nature, but they're not foreign, right? They're not aliens. I mean, we're all human beings. 
you have to treat them as if you want to be treated. It's not hard. Just because we're black does not mean that you should know how to communicate with us. We're human. How would you want someone to communicate with you? As an educator, what would you want for your child? Maybe incentives, right? Okay, you want you want to you want your child to have a teacher that comes in and is fully prepared to execute that curriculum, right? Okay, be able to do differentiation instruction, be able to give you resources, be able to assist you in your child's education. These are all the things that you want, so it's not that difficult. Well, what I seen was racism. What I seen and what I experienced. Racism discrimination ongoing at this school. My grandmother died in December of 2022, December 6th to be exact. That school was the worst school that I could have ever experienced the death of my grandmother at. They heightened their hatred and their dislike for me at such a rapid alarm when they seen how vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable I was. And it's not because I did anything wrong. It was because I was the school wide lead. So that's like an assistant principal. So you're assisting the principal and you have to interview and apply for that position. No one applied for it. I wasn't aware of that. No one applied for the position. So I applied for it and I got it. And it did not matter how much we coached through the teachers. It did not matter how many one-on-ones we had with teachers. It didn't matter how um, much we paid teachers. And these teachers was getting paid very, very well. You had some teachers that they have always received stipends, but they never did anything to receive the stipends. But when you know people and the when you know certain people in certain departments, they have a way of playing with those numbers. So you had people that was getting stipends and things, but they wasn't doing anything to get them. Now you had, it was a, the principal came in and it was a fair playing field. And she delegated responsibilities. She put people in leadership roles if that's what you wanted. Um, she made sure that we had a good curriculum, a phenomenal curriculum, and that we was able to execute the curriculum. She held everyone accountable. And it was actually a very great thing that she was doing not to mention when i came in 2020 the baby scores were literacy and math scores were three to four grades behind they was extremely low which is called educational neglect if your child's if your child's reading and math scores are two to three grades levels behind it is neglect any institution that utilize the pandemic at this point is using that as a cop-out and I will argue with anyone on that this is 20 this is the 23-24 school year our babies have been in school long enough where they their grade level they should at least be on their grade level or at least one grade behind or above their grade level at this point therefore they did not like what the principal was doing. They did not like that. What it is is that they did not like that this principal exposed them. They neglected these babies and their families and with their education. Because what this principal did was nothing short of a miracle. The scores 
the literacy scores in this in the school went up over 80 percent in one school year in half of one school year now how did this black woman come in here and do that in half of one school year and these other people have been in been been in principal position for 30 years, 20 years, or have been at this school for 20, 30 years, and the literacy scores never went up. The school has always been in the red. Let's say out of 52 schools, this school was number 49, 50, always low. This school was in the green. This principal in half of one school year brought the scores from red all the way to number 14 in the green. And yet she was terminated. There is extensive racism going on in these Catholic schools. And everyone is aware of it. And only how I can describe it is Jim Crow. What the principal and myself went through was a Jim Crow era racism. And there was a Hispanic woman there that she thought she was white. And she heightened the racism, uh, her discrimination. So it was very debilitating. And to go in there every single day, knowing that you are, it was like going in knowing that you was going to get hung off a tree. If anybody know Billy Holiday's song, Strange Fruit, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I can only imagine, but that's what it felt like. It was debilitating. It was diabolical how their racist antics was able to run rapid in that school. And no matter how many times human resource was contacted, it doesn't matter how many times the regional director was contacted, it did not matter how many times uh, the assistant superintendent was informed, it did not matter. It was allowed to keep going. And because they disliked us so much because we was pushing black and brown excellence. It was more so how dare you niggers come in and have these little niggers think that they are smart, that they are capable, that they are more. No, 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 no. We can't have that. Because that's exactly how they treated us. They treated us like we don't care that you educated. You all are just educated niggers. And the only reason they was comfortable and confident in moving like that is because they knew they was going to be allowed to. I kept asking the principal, why are they continuing to do this to us? They don't fear the lawsuit or anything. And she informed me that they don't even, they look at us as if like we can't even afford, uh, we can't even afford an attorney so they can do whatever. And yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. I was denied my principalship program. I was denied so much. And I was the best educator in that school. Although they tried to sabotage my sabotage my class. They tried to sabotage my instruction. Um, one teacher or several teachers, specifically this one teacher who yelled all day, every day. And, that, and I complained about that because that negatively affects the students and these babies can have anxiety from that. Um, they can have a lot of mental and emotional um, illnesses or you know disabilities from being yelled at every day, all day. And that was a huge concern. No one outside the principal was trying to address it. And this 
this is the one teacher that purposely kept interrupting my class like 20 times. She would just sit students down 20 times, did not want to execute anything. I had one teacher that told students they was learning about black history because this principal did diversify the school. And I so appreciate her for that. And their teacher was teaching them about black history. They was excited about it because they've never really got taught black history in that manner. How sad is that? And the babies came back and told the teacher and the teacher had told this white teacher told these black kids that that black history wasn't real history, that he teach real history, which is white history. And even though he was under investigation, everything, they were still allowing him to come back. So demeaning and de degrading the students was not an act that uh, archdiocese thought was good enough for a white teacher to be removed from the school. The only thing is that the teacher just decided not to come back. You had another teacher, he was white. He was not, um, he has no business being in any, any classroom. He verbally abused, he verbally and emotionally abused the baby so bad. And when I had walked in on what he was doing, the faces on those babies, I could still see it to this day. It was heartbreaking. They looked depleted from life. I had him to apologize to those babies, and then I apologized to those babies, and I told them that no one has a right to talk to them like that, and that this would not be accepted. You would not be demeaning these babies. And it was worse. There was so much that had happened at this school only because we were black. We was trying to implement a healing room and a white teacher complained that we was trying to implement a healing room. I felt that the healing room would be great because we all need that time where we can self-care. And sometimes that we at work all the time and sometimes you cannot get it. So the healing room was going to look something like a spa. And it was going to be phenomenal. And the teachers was going to have access to it as well as the as students and massage chairs and just different things to that nature. So you can have, so the teachers can have a decompression area. And the students who's going through something very vital and just need to step away can have that. That was criticized. How do you criticize the healing room? Every idea that the principal and myself had was wonderful ideas. But the problem was black black and brown kids was going to benefit from it. And they cannot have that. We were trying to turn this school into a blue ribbon school. They cannot have that. They want to keep these babies at a very low level and then get them out into the world and criticize them for being criminals when they they didn't even teach them to have the capacity to be critical thinkers they didn't pour into them that there is a way out charity is not education that's two different things and there's a book that I am um, going to link into my um that I'm going to put a link here and it's called um institutional um it's called it's uh what is it called it's on Amazon you can get it 
and its institutional racism in the Catholic Church. It is by Dolores Foster Williams. And it's an attempt to shine light on an issue. Okay, it suggests a model for reform and open up the discussion that's long buried by the Catholic evangelism system policies, which were not inclusive and still isn't inclusive. It's very, very segregated. It's a very Jim Crow mindset. And it is appalling at the level that these people are allowed to to perform these racist acts and protect each other. It is appalling. And I cannot, and I still cannot believe that this has happened. With everything that has happened, I have a therapist, I have a psychiatrist, I'm on medication, I have anxiety. It's a lot that came, that I suffered out of this. I endured a lot from this school as well as the principal to the point I could not return. It was debilitating emotionally and mentally and spiritually. I need a moment. Give me a second. Next, we're going to transition to a charter school that I was only at for four days. And they had 50 million systems and policies and structures in place. And the onboarding process was overwhelming. There is no way someone can process all of that in a short period of time. And I was going Friday, last Friday was going to be my last day. I'm like, I cannot do this. You, It's too handcuffed. It's too micromanaged. You hired an educator. That's what I am. I did not go to school and sleep and sleep in classes in college and did not get the foundational skills that I had needed. I came out and I went to an HBCU, Central State University, Wilberforce, Ohio, Morada. I went to... I went to an HBCU and in the education department, if you did not pass your practicum, you cannot do your student teaching. And one of your practicums was you had to know how to class manage. That was number one top priority. Class management, lesson planning. Class management, lesson planning. You had to know that. And if you even did your student teaching and your attending teacher stated that you are very weak in the class management area, like you would probably have to redo it again. So I don't know what these new babies are are, are entering and you know when they leave from college. I don't know what's being taught. I know that we had to know our skills because one thing that was pushed was you can get the job, but you're not gonna keep that job. You can get the position, but you're not gonna keep the position if you do not know how to manage that class. And now everything and everyone is being pacified and babyfied and people is realizing that everything is not textbook. No, it's not. Especially white teachers that's going into these black classrooms. This is not textbook. We are not textbook. We are real people with a whole culture. There's a way that you have to talk to us. There's a you have to study you have to study us and only to only to do that. You have to engage with us. We are not textbook. 
There is no textbook that you can read to describe a whole race of people. And then you wonder why none of this is working. Why is it so frustrating? Because your university did not properly prepare you. You pulling all the stops that you was taught from that textbook and realizing that this is a this 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 is this is not real. They didn't teach you real life, they taught you a fantasy. And yet, at this school, I knew what I was doing, I knew what I can handle. But I think that it is teacher, I think teacher rights are being neglected because there is a teacher shortage. Technically, it's a teacher crisis. And you have schools who are interviewing potential teacher candidates and they are misleading them. And they are they they are misleading teachers in interviews. What I mean by that is one of my interview questions, I have five options. And one of my questions was, what are the ongoing challenges that I could be facing at this school or within this classroom? I think that is a I think that is a vital question for any teacher to ask because there's a reason why this position is open after the school year has started. And I'm not in the door so I can only go off of what you tell me. And I was falsely terminated from that school after being there for four days and after the principal spending like almost two hours convincing me to stay because I was attacked by a student, full-blown attack by a, stu by a student with an object. This student probably have an IEP plan or a 504 behavior plan. I know, but no one presented this to me. No one sat down and told me anything about this minor. The minor did attack her paraprofessional the week before. However, no, she was able to come back. No one thought that this was vital, that this child has an explosive reactive disorder that is random. She sent me to the hospital. And then she attacked me again in the hallway. And so I was terminated because I protected myself. I didn't attack the child, but I did restrain her. Because no one was assisting me. There was an adult in the classroom when this happened in front of all students. And the adult didn't even come. She didn't even call. I, she, did, she was as shocked as I was when the child attacked me when my back was turned. And then when I asked all these questions, like, why did no one tell me what her behavior plan was? Why no one told me about this child's background? Why do you all have this? I understand about, you know, limited restrict, restrictive classroom, but at the same environment, but at the same time, these are things that teachers have to know. You all cannot put teachers' lives in danger because the policies are not there to protect us. We have to protect ourselves and then we get penalized for protecting ourselves. CPS policy has it where they expect when a teacher is being attacked, they have it where they expect for the teacher to go into a fetus position on the floor to protect themselves while the student is attacking them. Please make that make sense. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm going to be quiet and please make that make sense. I'm just asking for the people in the back that can't hear. Because somebody explained that policy to me. 
Okay, because it don't make sense, right? That's what I thought, because it makes absolutely no sense. And the ironic thing is with the charter schools that's associated with CPS, they pick and choose what part of CPS that they want to utilize when it's convenient for them. In my case, I had to do a police report. I had to contact DCFS. I had to go to the urgent care. I had to make an appointment with my doctor. My therapist had to give me a, th a therapeutic note because it has affected my mental. And I never received, um, I've never received an email from menstruation or anything. I received the termination email, but that was as far as that went because they said I didn't address the situation accordingly. And yet, they put me in a very dangerous situation because it was a full can of Lysol that she threw at me. And it was full force. And because this baby is on some form of medication, the doctor informed me that her strength can be the strength 10 times as yours, depending on what the medication is. And so because the soreness and effect of the can hitting my body, it like, I, I pretty much collapsed. It was just full force, but I didn't see it coming. So I couldn't even defend myself. And then when a minor attacked me in the hallway with punching and scratching, but she just attacked her pair last week and no one ever thought that it was important to sit down with Ms. James to have a conversation with Ms. James about, I even asked about decompression. How do you have a child like this in the classroom and you don't have a decompression area? That is LRE. That is le least restrictive environment. And I came in requesting that, not knowing the child's background. And yet, you all knew it and you all don't have that in the classroom. And this child, this baby is a danger to others around her because that means that anything could trigger her off. She does not like to be told what to do. She does not like, she wants to move how she wants to move. And when you, and she's calm when she attacks you. It's a scary situation, honestly. And so teachers did not go, when we went into the education field, we was not taught that we was going to have to protect ourselves from physical attacks. If we wanted to put our lives in danger for the public, we would have went into policing or, or we would have went into some type of criminal justice. We went into education because we wanted to educate the baby's minds. We didn't go into education to get abused. And there is no policy that is there to protect teachers. There's a teacher yesterday from CPS. She's a, teen, a tenure teacher at that. She was attacked by a student and they put her on a leave of absence for a year and a half. And she received a termination paper yesterday. Notice yesterday. Education is not the field that you go into right now. I would not encourage anyone to go into education because it's so political. It is not set up to protect educators. And people can talk about, you know, how like, well, Chicago teachers get paid the most, but look at the cost of living here. Look at the cost of living here. It takes a lot to live in Chicago. And because we have a mayor that does not really seem to know what he's doing regarding his plan for the influx of immigrants, 
we're going to have somebody has to pay for that somebody has to pay that 30 million a month and he won't say it but the taxpayers are going to have to pay it cuts is going to be made our city is just as bad as as new york it costs a lot to live in chicago and then we're not going to talk about the crime we're not going to talk about the crime and then we have a mayor that's very soft on crime. So you have students, you have these children who was allowed to run rampant in the city of Chicago with no consequences and repercussions, not no real ones anyway, just a slap on the wrist. So they have the mentality that they are invisible because society, because our mayor and society have allowed them to move like they are invisible. People don't understand how that handcuffs and restrains us in a classroom. If you have a child that's out here in the city that's wilding out with no consequences, you think do you think they're going to listen to us in the classroom? No, they're not. No, they're not because they know they can do anything and nothing is going to happen. That's, that is the example that they are giving. That is what they're teaching. So there is going to continue to be a teacher crisis. It's not a shortage. It's a crisis. And now I see some states are hiring overseas to bring those teachers in. But, okay, let's see if they renew that contract. I have worked in three different sectors of education here in the city of Chicago. And I can conclude that none of them know what they're doing. You have, the, you have CPS that is building the ship as it go. They are not protecting their teachers at all. And they have teachers living in, I mean, working in awful conditions. That's why the, uh, what's her name? That's why the, the, uh, the CTU, uh, the, the, uh, the president of CTU, that's why she has her child. That's why she has her child in, um, in private school. She know what this is, and she know how bad it is. And you better believe if these politicians do have their child or their children in a CPS school, it's a level one school, a level one plus school. They will not send their children to a level three school. Because my thought process is if what they are doing is so phenomenal, if CPS system is so great, then why do we have level three schools? Why do we have level two schools? All schools should be level one. If they, if, 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 if it's that fantastic, if they know what they're doing, CPS has been neglecting families for a very long time. And they have unfortunately programmed families, especially those that kids go to level three schools. Those are used as babies. Teachers are used as babysitters, and the schools are used as daycare centers, and the parents teach it is treated as such. There's a lot that goes. Um, there's a lot that goes into this, and it's not fair at all to any of us who are in the education field or was in the education field. The burnout is real. The violence that we endure in the classrooms are real, are real. The policies 
that are not in supportive of us are that's real the salaries the low salaries are real it's real the requirement that they have for you to be an educator is so overwhelming and unrealistic and it's from people who haven't been in a classroom and lord know how long that teacher just cannot do it anymore even if it's not the violence it's the stress and it's the burnout the stress is leaving teachers to quit the profession at a rapid rate just by itself teachers are being spread thin with these unrealistic expectations and the good educators don't even get appreciated actually if you are a good educator you get pout on more the archdiocese allow racism to run rapid and then they act then they turn a blind eye to it and then they act like they don't even know it exists and they know that it exists research and see how many black principals are in the archdiocese of chicago's schools i'll wait the school the catholic school that i left they put a white teacher in who was leading the mob the racist mob towards me and the teacher i mean in the principal and she's not even qualified and then you have the magnet school who wanted to hurry up and get me out because they dropped the ball they didn't protect me as an educator so defamation of character because I'm the one that was attacked, but I was the one that got let go. And I'm okay with that. Personally, I'm not okay with what they did or how they handled it. But deep inside, my gut from day one was like, no, I was misled in this interview. And that is a scary thing because now employers are the ones that is misleading the potential employee especially in education at this point they just they need to get a body in a classroom so they're going to tell you everything that you need that you want to hear they're not going to be 100 honest with you at all if you are still in a classroom my heart goes out to you you are appreciated by all your fellow educators because we know what you are up against every single day. Please remember, if you can, to execute your work-life balance and your personal well-being. You are number one. That school is still going to be there. And you never put into, you never put into, into somebody else's business more than you pour into yourself. You would never be acknowledged or appreciated in a manner in which that you should. Every educator out there wear an invisible cape. It's easy to criticize us when you have not been in our shoes. You have parents that is criticizing educators, not even understanding that you have someone in your class, you have someone teaching your child that don't even have a degree in education, don't have the fundamentals, do not know what they are doing i encourage parents to look at the test scores and look at the report card and do a cross comparison because you have students who have all a's 
And yet, when they take those state scores, they are well below the average line. They two, three, four grade levels than what they supposed below than what they supposed to be. But parents only see, oh, my child has A's. No, baby, it, they didn't even earn it. CPS give students grades. Charter schools give students grades. Private schools do input what you earn, but teachers have to fight for that like I did. They wanted me to give students grades and no, because that's not fair to the parent. The parent has to know where their child is at so we can both meet the child where they where that baby is at so we can collaborate in bringing that baby up practically and realistically. A lot of these schools look good on paper, but they not. They are not. The school that I just left with all these systems and everything in place, they were still very neglectful. And I feel like it was intentional to keep certain information from me to try to keep me there. But I'm very experienced. So there was a lot of things that I seen that I knew was wrong. And yet they have all of these apartments in place. You would think this is a level one plus school and it's not. They struggling. I do not understand how charter schools can follow public schools policies when public schools are performing poorly. I'm not going to follow a blueprint like that. So please remember, those that are still in the field, your self-care matter, your mental matter, your emotional state matter. If it's too overwhelming, you leave because this is your livelihood that is on the line. They will destroy your livelihood and everything that you work for and still complain and never protect you and still complain that there, there's a teacher crisis. Do not let these schools overwhelm you. Something my father always told me, let my degree work for me. I don't work for my degree. Go into other sectors. You don't have to, you don't have to stay in education. If you want to, you don't have to stay in the classroom. There's a... um. There's a there's a couple who was in education and they left education and they have a podcast. I'm going to try to find it and plug it into um, plug it into the uh, the information slide here. But I came across it and these uh, they found um, they have a a podcast where and I believe they on Facebook. They have a podcast where they actually help those who's leaving the um, education field transition from the education field and assist. And you all get to talk and just discuss how you're transitioning, where you transition to. It's it's really, it's really, really, it's really a nice podcast. And I am going to plug that in. But please do not stay where you are not happy. Do not stay where you're not supported. No one wants to go to work and feel insignificant or inadequate. You don't want to feel like you're a liability. You want to feel like an asset, but you want to feel respected. Titles should not determine whether you're respected or not. Everyone's role matters. And all of these schools that are performing low, it's because of poor leadership. Hell, I went on an interview in in Indiana, and the the drive was longer than the interview because I'm trying to ask a question. <laughs> I'm trying to ask a question to to the 
to the person and she keeps interjecting. I asked her if she stopped, if she will allow me to finish my sentence, I can answer her question. And within that, you know, within my statement, the answer would be there. But could you please allow me to finish without interjecting? It was how dare you. It was a how dare you situation. And yet every time I see, every time, like I, if I go on Indeed or anything, they're urgent hiring, urgent hiring, urgent hiring. No accountability. Administration at these schools act like they don't know why they have a shortage. <laughs> they keep saying like where teachers don't want to come in. No, that's not the case. You are interviewing great potential people. You either mislead them and get them in and they leave. Or you are so, you your arrogance is so high. You so self-consumed. You so entitled. You so, you just so about yourself. You, you, that you feel like that people should bow down to you. I bow down to no one. Respect is not given on a civil platter. Respect is earned and that goes both ways. Respect me, I will respect you. I'm not about to hold my tongue. I'm too seasoned to hold my tongue. No, I'm not about to do that. If I see that there's a concern, I'm going to address it. If I see that you're doing something that makes me uncomfortable or disrespectful, I am going to address it. How are you going to correct yourself? And I could take constructive criticism as well. But with all due respect, you don't want interviewing me. So please just be mindful of that. Please be mindful of that. God got you. And he's going to direct your path. And it could be a scary thing to leave the profession that you love because this is never our intentions. To this day, I miss my babies from the Catholic school that I was at. Those are the loves of my life. I birthed one, I birthed one angel, but I inherited 26 others. And I love those babies. And it was never my intentions to leave those babies. And I'm still heartbroken over not being with my babies. Just remember when a teacher makes the decision to leave, it is not easy because there is an attachment there and a pure love there. Well, my loves, I am so sorry that I took over an hour in this podcast. This was not my intentions, but I hope that you enjoyed it. This is a dedication to all of my educators out there. I thank you for what you do. I thank you for the sacrifices that you make. I thank you. I thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. So, thank you, my loves, for listening and sharing your time with me. It was amazing discussion discussing my thoughts with you. And don't forget to tune in to the School of You podcast every Tuesday and Thursday morning where you're going to partake in riveting discussions with me and maybe a surprise guest. You have to tune in to hear to hear it, my loves. So please have a blessed and stress-free day. Do some self-care if you can. Relax. Drink a glass of hot tea. And just thank God that he woke you this morning. And just remember, you got this, boo. You got this. So, would I recommend education to anyone? 
The answer is no, not at this moment. I'm not saying in the future that wouldn't be a great choice, but as of right now, it's too political. You're not going to win in it. Okay. Love you, my loves. Bye.